promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak worm person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 116. I love the Lord who has heard my voice and listened to my supplication. For the Lord has given ear to me whenever I called. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I came to grief and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray you save my life. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord watches over the innocent. I was brought low and God saved me. Turn again to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt well with you. For you have rescued my life from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. I will walk in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I said I am greatly afflicted. In my distress, I said no one can be trusted. How shall I repay the Lord for all the good things God has done for me? I will lift the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in your sight, O Lord, is the death of your servants. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the child of your handmaid. You have freed me from my bonds. I will offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Alleluia. Amen. reading from Ezekiel chapter 36, beginning of the 16th verse. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, while the house of Israel lived in their land, they defiled it with their conduct and actions. Their behavior before me was like menstrual impurity. So I poured out my wrath on them because of the blood they had shed on the land and because they had defiled it with their idols. I dispersed them among the nations, and they were scattered among the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and actions. When they came to the nations where they went, they profaned my holy name, because it was said about them, These are the people of the Lord, yet they had to leave his land in exile. Then I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel profaned among the nations where they went. Therefore say to the house of Israel, this is what the Lord God says, it is not for your sake that I will act, house of Israel, but for my holy name, which you profaned among the nations where you went. I will honor the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. The nations will know that I am the Lord. This is the declaration of the Lord God, when I demonstrate my holiness through you in their sight. For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and will bring you into your own land. I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave your fathers. You will be my people, and I will be your God. 
I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will summon the grain and make it plentiful. I will not bring famine on you. I will also make the fruit of the trees and the produce of the field plentiful, so that you will no longer experience reproach among the nations on account of famine. You will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and detestable practices. It is not for your sake that I will act. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Let this be known to you. Be ashamed and humiliated because of your ways, house of Israel. This is what the Lord God says. On the day I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of everyone who passes by. They will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were once ruined, desolate, and demolished are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that remain around you will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was demolished and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and will do it. This is what the Lord God says. I will respond to the house of Israel and do this for them. I will multiply them in number like a flock. So the ruined cities will be filled with a flock of people, just as Jerusalem is filled with a flock of sheep for sacrifice during its appointed festivals. Then they will know that I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, This is another wonderful section of gospel here in Ezekiel, where we've had so much judgment and destruction, so much uh, inevitable uh, wasting away of the people of God, of all that God is going to do to bring about punishment on his people for their desire not to have him as their Lord anymore. And here instead, he says, despite that, despite the fact that you have profaned my name, I'm going to act and I'm going to do amazing things. To, To think about that, right? Most of us spend our lives thinking about what we deserve or what we can get from what we deserve. We, we are a very transactional society. I do this, you do that. I fulfill my part of the deal, you fulfill your part of the deal. When what works with God is that God works regardless of our ability to fulfill it or not. In fact, here in this section of chapter 36, he's wanting you to know, church, That the way he works among his people, specifically here among Israel in exile, but also among us in Jesus Christ, is that he works in such a way that he takes your sin into account, but it does not hinder what he is going to do because he is going to work in order that he might be praised. He is going to work so that, just like in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, where, where Paul says that he uses the weak things and the insignificant things so that no one can boast, so that anyone might, who might boast boasts in the Lord, uh, we can only boast in what it is that God has done, not what we have done. And so here he begins with a very, very stark picture. Son of man, while the house of Israel lived in their land, They defiled it with their conduct and actions. Their behavior before me was like menstrual impurity. This goes along with a a passage in Isaiah. I want to say it's chapter 61, but I, I can't remember where he says that all of our good works are like dirty, filthy rags. And what he's talking about is... Uh, menstrual rags, uh, things that would cause you to be unclean, things that would cause you to be set apart. Now, ladies, I'm not, this is, it's a difficult topic. People don't want to talk about it, right? Uh, But uh, the the reality is, is that this is how God saw their sin. 
This is how God saw their sin. This is how God saw um, what they were doing. And and here he there's this wonderful play on words, right? Because in the next verse, uh, chapter verse eighteen, so I poured out my wrath on them because of the blood they shed on the land. Whereas just as in the, the that menstrual blood that comes regularly here, it was this uh, blood that gets poured out on the land of the innocent blood that they're pouring out, the, the breaking of God's commandments in what they were doing. And um, the, the sense of this, this equating the sin and the conduct of Israel to such a thing as, as a woman in her... Uh, in her menstrual impurity in the days of, of the scriptures. Uh, within the scripture scriptural law, within the law, a woman was unclean for seven days during her, her time. And she was to be considered that way, right? Uh, the sense being that what they've done has made them unclean, have brought them out of society, but then also this sense of it's, a, it's by their nature, that it is who they are, that it's something that happens regularly and completely, that it's not something that is just a random act that they, they did uh, in, in ignorance, but is actually something that they do quite regularly uh, living that way. And, and here he, he talks about how they've been dispersed and they've put into exile. And then verse 21, uh, then I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel profaned among the nations where they went. Um, this comes on the heels of, of the idea that the name is profane to say, well, you're God's people, and yet you're not in God's land anymore, right? And he says that he uh, has concern for his holy name. He has concern for his reputation as being God. That people are going to say, well, your God is no God at all anymore because your God has abandoned you. Your God doesn't exist anymore because he's abandoned you. And um, it, it makes me wonder too how we profane his name, right? How we quite often in the church will say God is about such and such. We'll say, or God did such and such, or I heard the special word from God. And in reality, we are just uh, profaning God's name because we are uh, giving God credit for something that he probably has absolutely nothing to do, as well as oftentimes we speak certain things in the name of the Lord, and it's just things that end up injuring people and hurting people, uh, sinning against people, whatever. And so we get into this next section, verse 22. Therefore say to the house of Israel, this is what the Lord God says. It is not for your sake that I will act house of Israel, but for my holy name. This goes back to that notion of boasting in the Lord to say that he's not going to act because they do something that they deserve to, to have God save them. In fact, God did, uh, act, uh, for, for the sake of Israel and sending them into exile because previously he says, I'm going to judge you according to your acts, not according to mine. Uh, meaning that, that you are going to go into uh, exile because of your iniquities. Um, and here he says, though, no, I'm not going to act for what you do. I'm going to act because I'm going to do. I'm going to be gracious and merciful because that is who I am. I'm going to show compassion because that is who I am, God says. I'm going to let you go off into the nations for a little while, but then I am going to work. I will honor the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, he says in verse 23. Um, and then verse 24, 
I, I love this whole section, verse 24 all the way down uh, to, uh, to verse 29. For I will take you from the nations. Now, notice the verbs here. I will take you and I will gather you from all the countries and I will bring you into your own land. Meaning wherever God finds us, church, he's going to find us and he's going to bring him to himself. You listening to this right now, questioning what God thinks of you, maybe what God's opinion is of you. Well, the fact that you are listening to this podcast right now tells me that God is working in you. He is pulling on you. He he is working in your heart to bring you to himself, that he's gathering you and bringing you into his land. And it is there in God then, I I love this verse 25, speaking to his people, I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. This, This declaration to you that, for instance, in your baptism, you are clean, even though, uh, even though, uh, well, we sin afterwards and we feel horrible and we feel like God, how could God ever love us again? And all of these other things, it, it all, it matters not uh, of how we handle our lives after our baptism. It's all about what God has done and what God does in us. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. He says, I, I think of the whole encounter with Naaman where he has his leprosy and he goes and he, he asks, well, what can, you know, he goes to Elisha and he, he is expecting some sort of voodoo dance and, and all sorts of things. And he just says, no, go take a bath in the Jordan river seven times and you'll be clean. And he thinks that's so ridiculous. And his servants have to tell him, well, if he had wanted you to rub donkey feces on yourself and howl at the moon, you would do it. Just wash and be clean. This declarative word of what God does for you, that you have been washed and therefore it's what God says of you in your baptism, tied to Christ's baptism, where in Christ's baptism, God speaks and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. At your baptism, God looked down upon you and said, you are my beloved child. I'm pleased with you. Pleased with you on the count of my son. I will cleanse you from all your iniquities and all your idols. Oh, that should be our prayer every day, shouldn't it be, church? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Uh, Take me away from all those idols that I build up in my life. Here he's going to do this for Israel, and he does it also in us. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I always laugh at the people who, who, you know, talk about giving their heart to Jesus. You don't give anything like that. Why would he he accept such a a dirty, filthy thing as your heart, which is where we build all our idols anyways. Instead, what he does is he comes and he steals it from you. He takes it from you. He digs into your chest like the dude in a temple of doom, and he rips out your heart of stone, and he gives you that heart of flesh. That is what he does. His work in you to remove from you all your sin, to bring you out of death into life is this work of taking you from cold, stone-dead sinner and giving you life as a saint. Here he's demonstrating that and what he's going to do with his people, Israel. And this is his work all along throughout history, and it is what he does in Jesus Christ for you. 
I will place my spirit within you. Yes, Lord, we beg that you would do that and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. We always want to try and do the law on our own when here what we need is God's spirit to work in us that we might fulfill the law in Jesus Christ of what Jesus Christ has done for us, but also to have the spirit work in us so that any good works we do is God working in us through his spirit, through his life-giving breath that he pours into our lungs. You will live. I, I always take that. It, it, the, the whole verse in 28, you will live in the land that I gave your fathers. I always just take that one verse, that one section, you will live. And I cling to it. It's such a beautiful phrase. You will live. You were dead, but now you will live. You will be my people, he says, and I will be your God. That's one of the glorious things of, of the work of what Luther did, um, what he gives to us in the the explanation of the first commandment um, in, in the small catechism, but the, all of Lutheranism is, is tied around this fact that you have a God and this God is pleased with you on account of Christ. And you may not want to have a God, but it doesn't matter. You might try and find other gods, but there is only one God, this one God who speaks to you through Jesus saying, you are mine and I am yours. I will save you from all your uncleanness. Wow, we need that, don't we? I will summon the grain and make it plentiful. I will not bring famine on you. And he goes on to say all these things that he is going to do to, to uh, make the land plentiful as a sign of his blessing and his, his face being towards his people. And then verse 31 and 32, you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and detestable practices. That should be true. We should remember the things that we've done. And there should be some shame involved in those. But then we should be reminded that we've been cleansed in Jesus. We've been cleansed by the Lord through his blood, through his spirit, through his work, through his word of forgiveness. And then he reiterates, I will not act. It is not for your sake that I will act. Let this be known to you, he says meaning that uh, he's not going to act this time in accordance to your sin. He's not going to judge you according to your sin, according to the sins of the Israelites here, the, the, the Jews. He's not going to act according to what they have done. Like he said, he judged them when he sent them into exile. He judged them according to their actions then. But now he's going to act for the sake of his name, his name that is gracious and merciful and full of compassion. And then Verses 33 through 36 is this whole section about God taking the desolate and giving it life. He says in, in verse 36, I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was demolished and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and will do it. It's this sense of resurrection, church, of taking the dead things, the dying things, the destroyed things, the crumbling things, and bringing new life giving new life, making new life. You were ruined and now you live. You were desolate and now you are plentiful because of what God has done in you. What a glorious word, church, isn't it? And then he says that he's going to multiply the people, that he's going to work in them with the sacrifices and the festivals and all these things. Church, it's this working of God regularly in and among us through his word, through this regular declaration to you that you are clean, even though you are a sinner in the eyes of God, through your baptism and through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, you are clean. 
He is continually washing you. He's continually giving you that new heart, new desires. He desires not for the death of anyone, but he wants them to turn and live. Remember, we've talked about that. Here it is that God does that very work of the turning. He is the spatula. (laughs) He's the turning us over from uh, who we were to who we are in him. We need to cling to that. And that's the message that we need to take to other people, that this is a God of mercy and grace, that his judgment in anything is, yes, to speak to us of our iniquities, that we might remember all the things that we have done to pull ourselves away from God. But the story always ends with the reason why you need to turn and live is because you have a God. And this is it. This is the God who loves you and lives for you. Prayers are that you take that with you this week, that it'll be something that you connect with, that you hold on to, and that you are able to be nurtured by as you deal with all the different things that may come to you this week, and that maybe you will be able to take it with you as you preach and and proclaim the good news of the kingdom to anyone that you meet. Well, let us pray. O God, generous and supreme, your loving Son lived among us, instructing us in the way of humility and justice. Continue to ease our burdens and lead us to serve alongside of him, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Well, Prayers Church for you, please continue to share this. We've been getting some interesting hits from places like Belgium and the Netherlands and Luxembourg um, and some other countries that have been listening to this. Um, Prayers that you will... uh, cling to it and, and, and share what all these episodes with folks so that you might um, help us in growing this ministry to bring the words of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of all your sins and life in his name to many other places in the world. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.